welcome to the Align Live podcast. My name is Pam Brown and I'm your host. Some of you may know me from my days as co-host of the morning show on WBAI Pacifica Radio. Others of you may know me from my work as a social justice activist and scholar. And others of you still may know me as co-owner of New York's first wellness studio, Align Brooklyn. One thing all of you know about me is that I love to speak my mind. Thank you for joining me on The Aligned Life, where we connect the dots between wellness, our communities, politics, and our world. Hey, everyone. It is so exciting to be here with you today. And it's exciting for me to be back on air. I wanted to start the show by kind of letting you guys get to know me and also, of course, Christopher, who is my husband and partner in crime. He is a chiropractor and wellness educator extraordinaire and someone who you should definitely who has so much information to share that we are just so fortunate to have access to it. So I wanted to start this podcast and this show by talking with Chris about wellness and really the wellness movement, what that is, how it's developed over the now, dare I say, 30 years. I've been, Chris has been involved more time than me, but probably 30 years since I've been involved in it and what we've seen in the, in, in the movement. So Without further ado, Chris, let's talk a little about you. I gave a little quick intro, but it doesn't really say very much. I know that you probably won't uh, introduce all the details for yourself. So let me just say a couple of your incredible credentials. Obviously, you are a doctor of chiropractic, and you've been a doctor of chiropractic for more than 30 years now. then you decided that that wasn't really enough for you. And so you decided to go for another two years of study to become a chiropractic sports physician. And in between doing all of that stuff, your interests in wellness were from uh, being a, uh, you know, a clinical nutritionist to continuing that study of, of functional nutrition through from the very beginning of the field, really, up until today through more certifications and more workshops and all of that that I could ever, ever, ever list. And, and also, of course, all of the fitness and movement things that you know, most recently, in a sense, you did this certification to become a 200 hour yoga instructor. That's before we opened the studio. But prior to that, you had done every certification under the sun from TRX to kettlebells to, I don't know, I don't know what, to every aspect pretty much of movement or style of movement for fitness, at least that there really is. And then you decide to go even further than that and start to study specifically myofascia, something that you were always involved in, was always part of your work as a chiropractor, but then you decide to up the ante a bit with your study of myofascia. So I, I, you know, I've been on this journey through the wellness, the development of wellness really as an industry with you since the nineties. And (laughs) you may have started a little bit even before that, I think. So 
let's just let's get into this talk about like let's what really is wellness and what are we really seeing right now yeah. a lot of people know align brooklyn as a class-based boutique studio but of course with this pandemic we have expanded in a sense what we we're doing but it was always within the scope of what our intentions were for the space so maybe we can talk a little bit today about you know what wellness actually is yeah. Well, wellness actually is is thought of in a lot of ways, I think in most of our minds, as something new, when in fact, wellness is ancient. And the, the word wellness is, is even pretty old. I mean, that's a couple hundred years old when it was first penned as the word wellness. But the idea of what we have as wellness today is ancient. As a matter of fact, it's sort of an interesting sort of fact that I've uncovered in, in looking into and researching and studying this, the, the wellness movement is that wellness predates what we consider healthcare today. Mm. The concepts of wellness predate the, the concepts of traditional medicine that we see today by millennia. Okay. I mean, wow. The current concepts of, of healthcare that we see today are little over a hundred, maybe 150 years old. Anything, any concepts of healthcare and health related to human to the human being that's more than 150 years old is a lot more consistent with what we consider wellness today. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So um, we have to wonder why that came to be. Well, we know why that came to be actually in many ways, Chris, because there's a book that I like to share with people and it is the title of it is somewhat alluding me. It's something like the social transformation of, of medicine. And um, it's a, it's a book by a, a professor at Princeton, Paul Starr. And so someone can probably look up exactly the name of it, which, you know, I'm forgetting right now, but it's all about how medicine came to be the, what's known in sociology as the hegemonic idea. What that means is like the dominant, cultural understanding of a particular aspect of our lives and how um, and I think this is so important right now because medicine only really came to be that understanding in the last you know hundred years as you're pointing to and prior to that understanding wellness was probably much more deeply embedded right and it wasn't you know that was intentional though that was through a process of developing an industry around it, which we can talk about more later. But yeah, anyway, there yeah. Industry, there was the industry, there was a competition around, you know, uh, resources and, and available patients and clients. It was also, but there was also the advent of the germ theory, um, which influenced it greatly too. So, and then there was the pandemic of, of 1918, the flu, which also sort of focused medicine on a very, particular way of looking at things and became very much focused on just like, oh, we've got to eradicate something as opposed to the individual's health behind it. But how do we take that, you know, right. that pathogen mm -hmm. and wipe it out? It, so that became dominant at the same time that there was other comp competitive forces, even academic comp competition. Medical schools were just starting to, to open up. But prior to that, there were already schools of homeopathy, there were schools of chiropractic, there were schools of osteopathy, there were schools of naturopathy, homeopathy, I already said. And so the medical industry came along and medical schools opened up and they realized that they needed to compete with all these other entities. So they became very, very vicious in their competition to 
Mm -hmm. And there's Uh, been a real reaction against that. I mean, I think that most people, including both of us, feel that there's enormous value to medicine. I mean, your father was a medical doctor and, and we feel that there's enormous value to medicine, but I think also most people, and I, and the numbers do bear this out with more than half of this country right now, believing that their primary concern for 2021 is really wellness Mm -hmm. actually. Um, But people are, are think medicine is great, but I also have these other aspects of my daily life, my daily health that I need to engage with. And so I think what's really interesting right now is that there's tension. There's real tension between people who are advocating, you know, some of these ideas of wellness, particularly as you put it, which is building up the internal resistance, building up internal resilience. And resilience is actually our theme this month, more in a mindset way, but resilience of all capacities, right? And then attention with the medical, you know, model of, 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 of looking at a pathogen to strike down and looking at a very specific area, be it, you know, a cancer in the body, be it whatever, whatever it might be. There's probably millions of things like that. I mean, the tension is probably not a bad thing because it's encouraging now some different ways of looking at things. Even the traditional medical model is now starting to look at um, aspects of wellness and, Phrasing it, they, you know, they're using the, the term functional medicine now yes. to, to talk about that. But it's really interesting to also see along the course of medicine relative to wellness that the medical industry, the traditional medical industry, is very rarely the driving force to what's what what wellness is. Okay, which is really interesting. But the medical model usually. Adapts right. the they eat it. model yes. as it goes along, and they eat it up, and then exactly, they and spit it out for profit. It, yeah, sometimes claim it as their own. When right. meanwhile, they were just you know doctors. And the best like example of this, Chris, is functional nutrition. What yeah. used to we used to call it functional nutrition right. back when it started, yeah. and back when uh, in the '90s when I became one of the very first health coaches and when you were one of the very first doctors that was really that who were really was really practicing that and here i do want to take a moment to share why i think this is so powerful and so incredibly important and why after so many years of being engaged in this industry i have a lot of well i have a lot of thoughts i have i always have a lot of thoughts but at any rate when i When I was in my early 20s, I had two formative experiences. One was positive and one was negative, okay? And I would say that my life was pretty clearly set out towards going to law school. I probably would have gone to Harvard. You know, it was easy for me. I I did all the things that you're supposed to do to do that, okay? And my very first job was to try it out. And I worked for one of the most prestigious law firms in the world as a uh, paralegal, which was kind of like the entry level for, for someone who had um, my background. And so the, the case that I worked on would involved pharmaceutical companies that essentially, not even essentially, they falsified records to the FDA. And um, my firm, of course, because it was a huge corporate firm, was a defense firm. And that's the prestigious place to go. That's where the money is. And I just couldn't believe that they would falsify their testing data to the FDA. And 
I couldn't, I was wrapped with like absolute conflict. Like how could I, how could my labor, my work, my life be going to, to provide cover for companies doing this. And that was a decision that I made that it wasn't going to go in that direction. I never went to law school because of that. Almost right after that, I, I actually met you. And when I was in college, just before all this, it was all circulating around here. I had an incident where I could not breathe and I clearly had an asthma attack. I was on um, steroids for a really long time to the point where they really affected me physically and emotionally. And I got over, I got over that, that asthma attack. And later on, I was, you know, on my own in New York for the first time. And I ended up going to an excellent medical doctor, Dr. Blau actually was his name. And he advised me, he was a wonderful doctor. And we figured out, we got to the root of it, which was that I was allergic to cats. I That was the simple answer to the problem. Stay away from stay away from cats, but he warned me that as I would get older, my I would be allergic to more substances and my attacks would be more frequent and they would be worse, which is just the course of having asthma, okay? So when I met you and you said, hey, maybe you should try out this detox program. It was the original ultra clear program, which we still do today. And I'm extraordinarily passionate about because it was, it absolutely changed the entire direction of my life from a health perspective. And I, um, I did that detox and all of a sudden afterwards, I found that I was not allergic to cats. And that's the short version of a long story, I would say. But the fact that what I learned from the process was that, sure, the medical industry can you know, give you medications, which were necessary and effective for me to be able to overcome that and have been at different times when I've had allergies unexpectedly to cats only, but that my own internal resistance, my own internal resilience could actually be deeply, deeply impacted, particular for me in the area of gut health, which was what was revealed by by that three week detox. And, and the funny thing about it was it was like an enormous commitment for me at the time, because I think it probably cost with the, all the supplements like $200, but like, yeah, I had just graduated from school. I was like, hmm, spend that on that. But God, I am so glad that I did that. Yeah. But the, the two things happening simultaneous for me really ended up having me develop an understanding that there that of this balance between these two areas. So anyway, I just thought I would throw that out there because I knew that in all these years, people don't necessarily know why did, why did we end up opening a line? Like yeah. what was the story behind that? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, um, I don't know if you wanted me to answer that <laughs> well, question, but I mean, what really came to mind as you were speaking was, you know, and I, and I thought it was interesting that you brought up gut health because I think gut health, is one model where we can look at wellness very broadly, okay? One of the things that really inspires me and piques my interest about wellness is that it is a very diverse um, field. It's not pinpointed, it's not laser beamed, it's not blinders, it's very open, diverse, and willing to accept change and willing to be wrong and then you know, reverse course and accept that change. And that requires like diversity and a willingness for there to be diversity. Now the gut 
So I'm bringing this to the gut. The gut is that the, 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 the house, the seat of our immune system for the most part, okay? And a healthy gut is so important for our overall wellness, okay? In many areas from cognitive to respiratory to, you know, all of the systems of the body are affected through the gut and the immune system being the primary one. Well, what we now know about the gut and the health of the gut is that it requires biodiversity. It, it requires mm. diversity in the gut for there to be a thriving immune system and for there to be a robust wellness of the individual. And that speaks largely and uh, that speaks very highly for the, the system of wellness over the system of traditional mm. healthcare. Mm -hmm. Because what traditional healthcare started to do in the last hundred years was to eliminate things, was to eliminate things and try and bring it down to one little thing that they could then vaccinate or give an antibiotic to, and that would cure everything. That sometimes does work. And, you know, it can sometimes work to save lives and such, but overall for the health of the individual and society as a whole, we need to look at a much more diverse way of doing things and, and bring biodiversity in there. And what we found is that in the gut, for the gut to have a healthy environment, it has to have a diverse um, assortment of different uh, uh, organisms mm -hmm. to, to help to, to maintain a, mm -hmm. a robust immune system and robust health. Um, and then that leads me also to that what we look at in wellness is not so much the elimination of a pathogen or a disease or the cutting out of that through surgery or, or whatever, or laser beams or, or, or x-ray therapies, you know, radiation therapies, but more of like, how do we establish, and you were, you know, you were getting to this with what you said, how do we establish a healthy garden how do we a healthy healthy soil a healthy base in the human being to be able to fight off anything that came at it mm -hmm. you know? so not to think of one little individual thing and then like fend off that but how do we develop a an environment within the individual within the the human being that is going to be strengthened and capable of taking on any of the assaults that come from the environment. And that's what we're looking at in wellness at mm -hmm. this point, um, is how we can do that, how we can strengthen. And I think that's so important on two levels. One, just one is the direction I wanna go in in this conversation, but the other is kind of what you were alluding to, which is that back in the 90s, when I did that detox program, we didn't ever hear, we didn't really know anything about what's now known as the microbiome. We didn't have any idea why the gut would affect the lungs. Mm -hmm. But now we actually know for sure that, and you can explain this way better than me, I only understand it in general terms, but that the gut is directly connected to the lungs and also directly connected to the brain. And so we didn't know that. And the argument in the past has been, well, you know, there's so much more, you know, let's see the evidence. We want to see proof that, that something is going to work. And because of the way that the medical industry was able to grow in some senses illegally, which is just a factual statement in terms of the way that they approached becoming the hegemonic idea of health, 
And um, there, there was at least one major case around that that they did lose, and that was against car, uh, that was that was chiropractors fighting back. But we can talk about that in another in another episode, perhaps. That's a fascinating history. But we didn't know about the microbiome, and now because there's been more interest, because there's been this wellness movement, because so many people are like, I don't know about you, medical doctors. Like, I'm going to do like a gut cleanse. I'm going to do a juice detox. I'm going to do whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever was out there, not everything is a good thing, but whatever was out there, people were grabbing onto and people thought, well, maybe we better look into that and maybe we can add that to our model somehow. And so now we actually know that in spite of the fact that there was only maybe anecdotal evidence at the time that I did that program, that the impact of it was absolutely scientific. And there's really no right. question about that today, yeah. based on this newest research about microbiome. We also understand that there were reasons that I ended up in the so that's the situation of having the allergy that we can deeply, deeply impact. And we can also, I'm sure we'll talk about that another time. We have way more that we can talk, you know, right. there's so much to talk about here. So, um, so, and then the other piece that you were bringing up, Chris, is the, that wellness is not like one thing. And one of the, your latest areas that you've been studying deeply has been sleep. When we talk about wellness, what are, let's go into some of the aspects of wellness because we haven't, at some point, fitness became synonymous somehow with wellness. They're actually very different things. It's very possible to be extremely fit and extremely, and not well at all, actually. So let's talk about that and sort of unpack that well, a bit. You know, wellness is not one thing. Wellness is not fitness. Wellness is not nutrition. Wellness is not sleep. Wellness is not immunity or a strong immune system. Wellness is not the microbiome. Wellness is many things coming together. One of the things I like to see now, one of the latest aspects that we're talking about in wellness is the environment. So up until pretty recently, actually, it was you always hear heard of like body, mind, and maybe spirit in terms of wellness. Well, now what we're adding to that combination is also environment. Mm. And I think that, you know, the tensions we were talking about before create some breakthroughs. And there's this tension with the environmental movement um, relative to wellness as well, that has shed some light on the, on, the on the necessity to look at environment. And not only the external environment, like the air, water, and so mm -hmm. the soil, but also the internal environment in the human being. So we need to look at that. Sci the, the tension between art and science is also another interesting thing in wellness because oftentimes we think of wellness as a hippy-dippy, more like artistic movement, which in many ways it is, and that's a beautiful aspect of it. And that's what, probably what opens it up to, to, to be more inclusive than science might be. But we also need to respect the science. So going to what you had said before about the microbiome and the communication between the gut and the lungs or even the gut and the brain axis is all through the microbiome. Yes. Um, but we and we've always had a sense of that, like your gut feeling or you know, the, the you know, the, yeah. the expressions we use to 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 talk about wellness and our feelings and our instincts. But now through science, we can incorporate science to try and figure out what is that gut feeling really all about? Mm -hmm. And what we've found out through science is that, yes, we can validate the, the fact that the microbiome in the gut actually communicates with the microbiome in the lungs to, 
to, um, to communicate about the immune responses that are going on to, and, and such and what needs to be adjusted so that the lungs are healthy, so that the brain is healthy, and so that the gut is healthy. Yeah. And that's all, and the, the interesting thing is, is that's all controlled through entities that are external to us, that, that, that we bring in from our environment into our bodies, and then they work to support us. So there's a real symbiotic relationship between the environment and the human being. And if we don't keep that in mind, then we're in big trouble. And mm. if we don't care for our environment and, and such, then we're in big trouble. Well, we are learning that because at least one of the theories of pandemics, and this is like not an optimistic thought, is that we've put ourselves into a position where this is only the beginning of the pandemics that we will see in our, in our lifetimes possibly because of our disregard for the environment and the way that we have brought aspects of the environment into contact with one another and allowed for diseases, new diseases to grow and spread to, to us. Well, it's like a perfect storm. I mean, at the same time as um, we're degrade, degrade, degradating our yeah. environment, we're also increasing and improving certain technologies, particularly around like travel. Mm. So as the environment is, is, is being depleted, People are traveling a lot more right. and exposing each other to to um, to different pathogens mm -hmm. and such that they wouldn't have been exposed to in the past. So I do think that because of the increased transportation and the increased degradation of the environment, we are going to potentially see more pandemics, epidemics, and pandemics into the future. So mm -hmm. it's not going to necessarily be a hundred-year pandemic right. cycle. It will probably the, the cycles will probably decrease. So to try and use the traditional medical system to pinpoint every pandemic and every epidemic that comes up and try and knock that out is, is important. Yes. It's important. But what's even more important now is wellness. Yeah. Is wellness. And you know, everyone who seems to agree that in a, in a gut sense, Absolutely. as you said, people just know that. I mean, yeah. like the interest in wellness now is far surpasses when, when we opened a line or many, many years ago yeah. when we really got got deeply involved, especially in LA where we had a fitness business and a chiropractic practice many years ago. And people there definitely were interested, but it was not all of the aspects all combined. Once again, there's this aspect of tension and the pandemic has brought a lot of tension in people's yes. lives and given us also some time to think about those tensions. So that we do have maybe a little bit more time to incorporate the, the, the pulls and the tensions, um, you know, we have time, more time to contemplate them and, and make sense of them. And what we're finding out, what we're learning um, on many different levels, and you mentioned this before, and I just want to bring this conversation back, that's so important, is that to be fit does not mean that you're well. To eat well, to eat well does not mean that you're well. To sleep well does not mean that you are in a state of wellness. Right. Wellness requires looking at all of the thing, those things. Because as a matter of fact, it used to be sort of believed, and not even used to, because it, let's just face it, it's still believed to a large degree. And we see that in some of the arguments around whether gyms should open or not right. right now because of the spread of potential. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. There's this belief in, um, in, you know, there's always been this belief, and it still continues this day, but it's becoming, it's starting to be torn apart a little bit and examined that if you're exercising, if you're on a treadmill, you know, working right. those miles, or you're in that weight room in the pit, you know, doing those squats, you're going to be well, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be able to fight 
anything that comes your way. Well, what we're learning now is that's not necessarily the case. No. Some exercise is good, and a lot of exercise can even be good, but it has to. We have to know how much we, we have to. Right. We have to know how much relative to the diet we're eating, relative to the sleep we're receiving, totally. relative to the air we're breathing. You know, because frankly, if you go to the gym based on and you have a relatively poor diet, poor air quality, poor drinking water, um, and so on and so forth, and you're not sleeping well, and you go in and think, oh. Well, I'm going to go and bust down the weights today, and I'm going to increase my immune system by doing that. You're sort and of people do think that because they've been told that. Your immune system in doing that, yeah, and you're doing yourself a disservice by doing that. And I see like there have been businesses I won't name them, although I wish that I, I I just think it's probably not appropriate for me to do that, but that have decided to defy the city order of not offering group classes. And I can understand why they've wanted to do that because it is hard to have your business mandated closed, particularly for such a long period of time and without resources. However, interestingly enough, most of those businesses are, are the kinds of activities, or not most, but many of those businesses, the businesses who led this, let's say, are the kinds of activities that you they are not things that you're doing for your immune system short term. They may be for the long term, they will surely help your health. But if you come out of like, you know, like a serious, like, you know, weight training workout or hit right. session, and then you hit the virus, like There's you're much more susceptible for it, actually. Your immune and, system's being taxed at that point to actually, you know, you know focus on the breakdown and degradation yeah. of the muscle tissue at that time. Exactly. And it's not focused on an external virus. It's focused on getting the nutrients into your body, your, your microbiome, and restoring your muscle breakdown. Totally. So you're actually at that moment more vulnerable to a viral infection like Corona. A hundred percent. And I remember at times when I've done like serious training, that's been the times that I've gotten that I've caught things much more easily. I've gotten yeah. colds and that's not a, that's actually a factual thing. That's a thing that happens when you are so-called like overtraining. And, and so that's an important point, but you've struck on, we only have, we really don't have any time left, but we're we've run out of time for today. But we, I do want to actually touch on that a little bit and go into a little bit more depth there. Maybe, you know, we can spend a few more minutes. It's a little bit flexible in terms of the time, one of the things that's been most disappointing to me in the pandemic is how the so-called fitness industry, and I don't know if we're, we're, we touch on the fitness industry, we touch on kind of the yoga world, and we touch also on, obviously, the chiropractic and wellness world very, very deeply. And I think that we are ethically held to the standard of doctor. I don't think that we're ethically held to the standard of fitness instructor. I think that we have a higher standard. And one of the things I know that people have always loved about Align is that we've that standard has been in place all along in terms of everything about um, everything that, that we do at the studio and yeah. in the space. But one of the things that's been pretty disappointing to me is how there's been a lot of misinformation that our own industry 
has actually put out there, right? And one has been that all, at, like, no matter what, if you're a CrossFit studio or whatever it is, that you should be having, you know, group classes, or if you're, you know, a spin studio, it's okay if you're in an outdoor space that's really mostly inside because you just have like a tent and you're unmasked as long as you're a few feet apart. But one of the, so where I'm going with this is something that I think is like really, really important. There's a sense, and this is a political statement, a lot of the people who are most, like most so fervent believers in internal resistance, they are also people who are not wearing masks right now, who are not taking the virus, you know, especially seriously, and who honestly believe that because they go out and run 10 miles a day, that they are in a situation where they will not be impacted by the virus. And it's kind of like for, I mean, I hate to say it because it's so awful of a way of thinking, but it strikes me that they look at it like, well, for those people who can't quite get it together, then sorry for them, they're going to be the ones who get harmed by the virus. And it strikes me as such a mystique for, for the wellness and the fitness industry to go in this in this well, that's where that's i mean i'll just say that's where yeah. it's multifaceted and that's what we're missing and i mean it's no surprise because that's the way things have developed up until now they've been sort of categorized there's there's science and then there's you know holism there's you know the mind and there's the body but it all comes together and one of the mistakes that you know it's not only the traditional medical side that have made the mistakes of like isolating and pinpointing pathogens to try and destroy them but it's also the wellness side that has sort of poo-pooed that aspect and said oh as long as we're exercising as long as we're eating right everything is fine i don't even need to wear a mask because if that virus comes in me i'll have a strong constitution whatever we now know through public health which is a science that that is not the case. And even if you were, let's say, because there are people that probably do have a strong enough immune system to resist some aspect of the virus coming to them, depending on the viral load. How about what your neighbor yeah. is experiencing? How about what, you know, how about wearing that mask in concern for what you might spread to mm -hmm. your neighbor? So we need to really get off the idea of being so like, like one-sided in things. I'm either into holistic medicine and wellness or I'm into you know the medical model and combine the two and bring them together and take the best of both and apply those on a daily basis. And um, right now there is a sad thing happening, you know, in many ways, even in politics where there just seems to be a lot of divide. Right. So I'm, I'm just proposing that we come together and, you know, we sort of support each other and we care for each mm -hmm. other in, in doing that we need to really bring everything that we have at our disposal, all the, all the resources from medicine to nutrition, to sleep science, to, you know, to environmental sciences together to care for each other and, and make it all work so that we can all be strong and healthy together. Well, Christopher, I can't think of a better place to, to leave it. Thank you all so much for joining us today. This was the first of a weekly podcast that I'm going to be offering. Christopher will be on it probably every other week, but I also have some other guests that I want to bring on. Next week, we'll have a pre-recorded show that I uh, that I did a, a couple of months ago, but to be honest, I just couldn't quite get it together to pull this thing off until now. And um, that show is with one of the 
align original clients and she is a psychologist and she's going to be talking about mental health during the pandemic, which is an aspect of wellness that has not been forgotten, but has now been really, I think, brought to the forefront because of the strain of the pandemic. So thank you once again. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for allowing me the privilege to um, take up your time and your ear space. And we'll be seeing you guys uh, next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.